What's good, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the Amatelica TIS Podcast. It's your host, yours truly, Jai Shields, here on this January, Friday, the 21st, the year 2022. Lots to do, lots to talk about here in this weekend program. Division around weekend, four games in the National Football League. They all should be uh, doozies preview and give you my two cents heading into each and every matchup. Of course, my divisional uh, round NFL playoff picks against the spread. And uh, here at the top, I'll do something a little different as far as the opening monologue is concerned. Um, and yes, I am. I know there's other sports and other things going on in the sports world outside the NFL. I'm aware that it's been a very football-dominated uh, show for the last you know few months or so. Don't worry. Just keep on. After the Super Bowl, you know, yours truly will talk so much NBA and college basketball and may even have to, you know, dissect the uh, the labor negotiations between MLB and the Players Association. So if you're a little football out of this program, just keep on listening because once the Super Bowl is over, that show after... See the Tuesday, the Monday show would be Valentine's Day over over uh, on the fourteenth, and that Friday show would be Friday Saturday show would be what the math giant fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, or the eighteenth. So seventeenth uh, or seventeenth or the eighteenth or thereabouts, and you know, unless something unforeseen happens in the National Football League, I don't think you should be talking a whole lot of NFL that first Friday slash weekend show post the NFL season, uh, concluding a Super Bowl Fifty Six. And I know there's NBA stuff to get to. The Lakers, the Lakers have been the Lakers stink. The Knicks are, uh, are, have been a disappointment this season. The Pacers had a nice overtime victory. I saw that game on Thursday night against the Golden State Warriors. Clay still getting his legs back, on, back uh, underneath them and, and stories with the NBA. So, you know, and there's another. Oh, Kyrie Irving as well. So, don't worry. Yours surely has not had his head buried in the sand as far as NFL talk is concerned. But I am aware with the you know with Kyrie, with the storylines that's going on the, that's going on within the NBA, and I also want to give a deep dive uh, with the David Culley situation, and uh, with the David Culley situation. In fact, there's only one sole black uh, head coach within the National Football League. But I'll save that. You know, I want to save that when I actually need it, where I need that topic to carry. This wonderful program, and I will get to that uh, later on uh, down the line in the future programming. But where I will begin here at the top, and it's something that I wanted to bring up during you know the two-part Week 18 recaps, because not only did you have the storylines as far as the final, you know, with the final weekend of the 2021. NFL regular season coming to a close, but you also had Black Monday and coaches getting fired left and right. I gave you my take on uh, Brian Flores, and I'll intertwine that with David Culley. Uh, I'll entertain, I'll entertain that as far as David Culley in future episodes later in the month, if not early February, if it's a slow sports cycle. But what I forgot to met, and I did also mention Joe Judge getting getting fired as well. Um, so I've, you know, so I've dabbled on like the big time storylines, but there was an overall theme and I wanted to get to with black, um, with black Monday. And that's the fact that, you know, what are the best NFL head coaching vacancies, 
you know that that are that you know that are available during this off season. And you sit back and you think, you know, you think about the Jacksonville Jaguars, you think about the Miami Dolphins, you think about you know the Giants, you think about the Vikings, you think about the Bears. Uh, you know, all these jobs that are available. Um, and basically what I'm going to do is essentially rank which one I think is the best and the reason why. I'll go through, the, I'll, I'll do the worst ones first and then work my way up. By far the worst job available. The worst job available in the National Football League that is there to be had for, as far as a future, as far as a future head coaching spot. And my honest opinion would be with the Chicago Bears. And if you ask me, well, John, why, why, why do you say, why do you say, why do you say the Chicago, why would you say the Chicago Bears? Well, I, well, I tell you, well, this is, well, here's why. Okay, the jet, the jet, the the job is not good because of the fact that your offensive line is very spotty. Okay. Your offensive line spotty. I'm a Jalen. I'm a Justin Fields fan. I'm not convinced that I'm not convinced that he's the. I'm not convinced that or, or check that the, the Bears because I I'm correcting myself, self editing as I'm speaking. The Bears is the second worst job. The worst job by by all stretches and intents and purposes is the Miami Dolphins. Let me explain to you why. The Miami Dolphins under their owner Stephen Ross has been one of the worst teams in the National Football League, okay? Steven Ross is a meddlesome owner. He has no idea what the heck he's doing. Steven Ross is one of those NFL owners where where he makes a fortune from doing uh, from doing something else, and then he says, oh, you know, what the heck, I might as well go ahead and buy a football team, buys a football team, and then he has no idea what the heck he's doing. Okay, he he's a, he he's a real estate developer. During his tenure as Miami Dolphins owner in 2008, so go from 2000 and you go 2008, the year he first bought the team. You go from 2008 to 2000 and uh, 2021 with the Miami Dolphins. Okay, 2008, they made the playoffs, went 11 and five, won the division, got ambushed by the Ravens in, a, in the in the wild in the wild card round. 2009 went seven and nine, third in the AFC East, did not make the playoffs. 2010 seven and nine again, did not make the playoffs. Uh, 2011 went six went six and ten, obviously did not make the playoffs. 2012 seven and nine. 2013 eight and eight. 2014 they went eight and eight again. You see, there's a pattern here. 2015 six and ten. 2016. Ten and six made the playoffs. Got beat by the got uh, beat by the Steelers thirty to twelve in a wild card round. Twenty seventeen six and ten. Twenty eighteen seven and nine. Twenty nineteen, okay. Brian Flores' first season five and eleven, fourth in the AFC East. Last season ten and six missed the playoffs by an eyelash. Twenty twenty one. Go nine and eight, finish in third place, missed the playoffs. So although he hasn't stunk. He hasn't stunk. He hasn't been, you know, worst team in the National Football League awful. But he hasn't been great. 
He's had a couple of he's had a couple of playoff appearances here and there. You know, 2008, two thousand and eight, he's had two thousand and eight, he's had two thousand and sixteen, and he's had and I believe those are the only his only two playoff appearances. Two thousand and eight, two thousand and sixteen with a couple of seasons where he was hovering up around five hundred, if not a little higher than that, with twenty twenty, twenty twenty one being the most recent examples, but he didn't make the playoffs. So he has not, so although he hasn't been the worst as far as losing games, you know, losing games at infinitum like the Ford family with the Detroit Lions, but he has not exactly been, you know, Joe Robbie during his tenure, during his tenure with Miami either. You know, I feel like that he is an owner that has no idea which way is up. I feel like he does not know, he doesn't know the ins and outs of what it takes of running a football team. I think in my honest opinion, he knows nothing about football. He knows the business side of football, but knows nothing as far as day-to-day operations and building a winner and knowing what it takes to, to be a champion and compete for a championship and to become a champion. A couple, a couple years there and out again, you know, with the right coaches and the right player personnel and the schedule and the season and everything breaks right for him. Uh, you know, he gets fortunate and he makes the playoffs, hosts a playoff game against Baltimore, goes to Pittsburgh to play a pl- to play a first round playoff game against it. But you know, you never see levels of success. You never see that you know he's building the foundation to become a winner, and you see like that general step of progress. You know, it's they go ten and they go six and ten one year, six and ten or seven and nine or eight and eight, nine and seven the next. Like there's no consistency. It's not all right. We we make the playoffs as a wild card team at ten and six, and then the next season we compete to win a division. We win about eleven, twelve games, and then from there, you know, there's there's no building blocks. It's we have one great, we have one good competitive playoff contending isolated season, and then. The next year, you you know, if you go six and ten one year, you finish the next season going seven and nine, eight and eight, or six and ten. It, 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 there's no consistency, and then when he finally did have an element of consistency by hiring Brian Flores, what does he do? He throws him out to the wolves as the scapegoat, while he keeps the genius GM Chris Greer. He he gets to keep his job when he drafted to a. Put together that garbage, pathetic, offensive to the senses offensive line, and 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 in all intents and purposes, gave two and nothing to work with, while albeit making the wrong draft choice decision, outside of Waddle and the tight end Gasecki. Furthermore, you also have to look at the environment. Okay, Miami Dolphins. And that's one of the reasons why I believe Flores should have stayed. I understand that, ooh, he beat the Patriots, big deal. When you play him within the division and you're trying to be competitive and you're in the middle of a rebuild on the brink of trying to become a a competitive playoff product again, that matters. How you play against the best teams in your division, that matters. How you play against the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills four four times out of the season, that matters. Okay? That matters. Winning games within your division against the divisions uh, against the division the division's superior talent that counts for something. That matters. 
Okay, one of the reasons why a lot of people are like, oh, Zach Taylor might, might, you know, he might end up staying next, he might end up being here to stay. One of the reasons why, look at how essentially from that Steeler game late in 2020 onward, look at how he's performed in the AFC in the AFC North. He's beaten still since that game in December of 2020. He's beaten the Steelers three times, beaten the Ravens twice. That's five, and the only two losses that he's endured since that Steeler game late in December of 2020 were against Cleveland, and one of them really kind of sort of don't even count because the game didn't matter in Week 18. So if you don't want to count that Week 18 game, he's essentially. Five and one, not counting the Cleveland game in week 18 and his last six divisional games dating back to December of 2020. Think about that for a minute. That matters. Brian Flores going four and two in a short tenure as head coach of the Miami Dolphins against the, against the big bad New England Patriots. That matters. Yes, I understand, you know, 90% of those games, Tom Brady was not... Tom Brady was uh, was gone. I get that, but still, that counts for something. And when you're going up, and when you have Belichick and the Patriots who won ten games, made the playoffs this season, Buffalo Bills are two wins away from going to the Super Bowl. You have to go through that the 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 gauntlet of those two teams every single season twice. And the Jets are rebuilding, trying to trying to uh, produce a a a uh, productive, uh, prideful product. It's, it's going to be tough. Not to mention in the city of Miami, where if you stink, where is one of the most overrated, one of the worst sports towns in America. And on top of the fact that when you're good, nobody cares and nobody shows up. So you have an owner that has no idea what the heck he's doing. The team is a mess. Tua might be a bust. The offensive line stinks, and the divisions is and the and the division is going to be one of the most toughest divisions to compete in for a inferior bottom dwelling opponent in the next you know throughout the rest of the 2020s decade. Who would want that job? I wouldn't. Bear same thing. Ownership has no clue with the McCaskies. They uh, they don't know which way is up. Bad offensive line. I think Justin Fields is certainly better than Tua is. But is he going to be the long-term answer? Nobody knows. And what weapons do you see yourself putting around Justin for him to succeed? I understand Aaron Rodgers is going to be you know playing for the Green Bay Packers forever. So the division is slightly more up in the air as far as the next five to ten years are concerned, but still, it's the same. It all all applies outside of the division piece and the fact that the weather. You know, you'd rather live in Miami in November, December, January than you would in Chicago. All things being equal, and all things being fair, and then you look at other jobs. You know, I think, and then, you know, the, 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 the Jags job is better than, you know, the, the Jags job is better than Miami and Chicago. Why? Because Miami has the franchise quarterback that you know for a fact is going to be good. The division is more competitive. It's wide open, up in the air. The division champion, I understand the Titans have won it back to back. But more, but that, but that division is, 
Now it's because it's a lame duck division with two expansion teams and two expansion teams, and the Colts have been kind of humming ho ho have been ho hum essentially since uh, since uh, Andrew Luck. And with the Titans, you just never know what you're going to get with them on a year and year. But they've, they've put together some elements of consistency, you know, since Derrick Henry has blossomed and they got Tannehill, who, is, who has been a pretty solid quarterback for him. But it's all, you know, it's the, it's the AFC South. On top of the fact that, you know, you're the only game in town for Jacksonville and easier division to compete in. And if all breaks well, and all goes well. You could be one. Of, you could be up atop of the AFC South in a flash. Now the negative is: Do you want to travel to London two, three times a year to play that erroneous, asinine London game? And do you want to, have to deal with that owner who hasn't done a damn thing since he's bought the team, outside of that uh, outlier twenty seventeen? Jaguar season. You have to consider that into the equation. Got to consider Denver Broncos, which is an attractive job. Good defense. Got to find yourself a quarterback, but it's a good defense. Couple of playmakers there that, when uh, coached up properly, could turn into superstars. The only negative is they don't have a quarterback, and you and you're in a division where you got to play Herbert and Mahomes twice a year. But albeit that you have to go up, albeit it's a much tougher division, you know, if Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson falls in your lap, you know, you're a dark horse Super Bowl contender. So that job, in my honest opinion, is better than the Dolphin job and better than a Jaguar job. The Giant job is up there because of the fact that it's the New York football Giants, a, a, a historic and what at least I thought prior to the last 10 years or so, one of the most top, top A-class franchises in the National Football League. A lot of history, uh, historical, uh, a historical reference of winning championships. Yes, it's, it's going to be a tough job, but yes, when you win there, you're a king. Coughlin, Parcells, you're a king when you win there. New York City. New York football, giant football, you get this team and you do a good job. That's why I think Brian Flores would be perfect for the New York Giant job when you know and when the Giants just announced the hiring of the new GM who I will mention here before we close out the segment. But you know, good division, competitive division. NFC's football with the Eagles, Washington, Dallas, you know, and if, and it's a process. You know, the Denver, Denver, it's more, you know, you can make the argument that the Denver Broncos are more of an attractive job than the New York, than the New York Giants are. Because the Giants is more of a process where the Broncos, you know, are, are, are a couple of pieces, are a, you know, an offensive line, not an offensive line, I'm thinking about the Giants, but a quarterback and a good coach away from becoming, you know, from becoming, you know, respectable again. The only hard part is is the division that they play in. Giants, the division not so much. It is New York City compared to Denver, with all due respect. And, but it is a little bit more of a process. And you got to deal with and you got to deal with your new GM and Joe Schoen, 
who they hired off of the uh, off of the uh, Buffalo front office. Who's who's your new who's your new general manager? But the giant job isn't bad. But by far, in my honest opinion, the best job in the National Football League is the Minnesota Vikings. And I'll explain to you why. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins, who, if you're a listener to this program, you know I'm not in love with, you know who's not my favorite quarterbacks, you know, in the National Football League, albeit he did have one, one underrated, one hell of a season this past year in 2021, all things being equal, and you got to be fair, got to be honest, got to be objective. He did have one hell of a season this year, which which flew under the radar, and rightfully so, because, you know, Kirk Cousins' body of work, you, you understand and you see why. Like I said, the NFC North, Rogers, Rogers not going to be around there forever. Lions and Bears is more of a process. It's a longer process for them to be uh, division contenders again. Vikings, you just need a good coach. A couple of years where you, you, know, where you ch- try to kind of find your stride again, and they should be up there with one of the best NFC contenders in a heartbeat, and in a flash, within a, couple, within a season or two, if that. And look at the talents on that roster. Dalvin Cook, Thielen. Justin Jefferson, who they drafted a few seasons ago, that that team has talent, and they they got talent and they got potential. All they need is to be coached up the right the right way, uh, a good coach to come along, get that defense back to respectable again, uh, get get that defense back. A couple of things break their way, you know. Rodgers either retires or he leaves the Packers. All of a sudden, the Vikings are, you know, back to their 2017 form where they're one of the best teams in all the NFC and a perennial Super Bowl contender. I'm not in love with Cousins. That's the only negative thing. I'm not in love with Kirk Cousins, and I don't think that when the chips are down, chips in the middle of the table, life on a line, gun to your head, Kirk Cousins can win you a Super Bowl. But you sure as hell can try if everything around Kirk is perfect. Excellent football town, excellent fan base, beautiful. Now, the winter is going to be brutal, but you play inside. But the Vikings is definitely an attractive job. Miami, Jacksonville, nobody cares. No, those are the, nobody cares. Nobody. Jacksonville especially, nobody. Bears fan base is passionate, but the owners, but the owners lack of uh, offensive firepower, the defense has fallen off a little bit. The offensive line's very suspect. Dolphins, I have no idea what the heck the owner is doing. Bad offensive line, and Tua might end up becoming a bust. Giants, it's going to be a process, but the but the uh, but the reward will be worth it when all the hard work is put into it. the The reward and the satisfaction on the back end will be worth it after you go through the hard work in the front end. But the Vikings, I think, I think, is the best job, best head coaching job available out there. It's the best one. Second best is the Giants job. The worst, Miami Dolphins. The worst. Bears, a little better than Miami. And the Bronco job. No, check that. The Bronco job's the second best. Vikings, the first best. The, the giant job is the third best. 
the Dolphin job is the worst and the Jaguar job slightly better because you take uh, Lawrence over Tua seven days a week and twice on Sunday. No something different. Head coaching vacancies. But but the ones, if I was uh, looking to be NFL head coach, I'd say I'd say the giant job appeals to me. The giant job appeals to me. The Bronco job appeals to me. And the Viking job appeals to me. If the Miami Dolphins pick up the phone, I'm hanging up. If the Jacksonville Jaguars pick up the phone, I'll listen with the mindset of you can talk you might you can talk my ear off and sell me this job to the cows come on I'm still not going. That's how I would look at it. Me personally. That's where we begin. Divisional round weekend the National Football League. Preview the games coming up. This is the Amatelic and TIS podcast. Welcome back to the Amatel Like You Tell Is podcast. And the one and one uh, job that I forgot to mention, it, it's kind of good that I quote unquote forgot to mention it by accident because the job is uh, because the job is just so unappealing. You know who and who in their right mind would want it, and that is the uh, and that's the Houston Texan job. But that job is by far all you know the. Hands down, by far the worst job. It ain't even worth mentioning because of how, because of just how bad that job is. It ain't even worth bringing up. But we all know that job, hands down, you know, unanimously is the worst job available. It ain't even a freaking contest. Uh, but we turn our heads to the division around weekend of the National Football League. Four games on the docket, two Saturday, two Sunday. Uh, yeah, as you know, you get closer and closer to this conference championship weekend and closer and closer to the Super Bowl. And as you get closer and closer to the Super Bowl, the less games there are to watch, you know, you have a selection of. You go from all the games week 18 and then you truncate it all the way down to six wild card weekend and then down to four in the divisional weekend and then down to two championship Sunday and then down to the big old number one for uh for the Super Bowl but anyway we will get into these games I will preview them and talk about them accordingly and then take a break and then get to the divisional playoff picks but um but start with game number 1 of course and that the game number 1 of the weekend and that of course uh is with my Cincinnati Bengals going up against the uh Tennessee Titans uh, and it's got some interesting numbers to break down here as far as this game is concerned. You know, you got Jamar Chase and the phenomenal season he had uh, going up against the Tennessee Titans defense. You know, you go up, you see these numbers with Jamar Chase and the Titans defense against wide receiver ranks this season. Jamar Chase is 20th in the league in receptions 
fourth in receiving yards, third in receiving touchdown catches. Meanwhile, the Tennessee Titans secondary, their defense, to be more general, against wide receivers this season, 31st, 31st uh, as far as uh, receptions allowed, 31st in, uh, in the most receiving yards allowed, and tied for 28th worst as far as receiving touchdowns given up by opposing offenses so far uh, so far this season. Now, you say that it's like, oh, geez, this is going to be a game where you know Jamar Chase is just going to go off. I mean, he had a nice game against the Raiders, over 100 rece- 110 receiving yards against the Raiders last Saturday. So, set this Saturday, he's just going to complete. He's just going to go off. Well, well, hold your horses there. For those of you expecting this to be an absolute runaway and Jamar Chase to put up over 200 yards receiving, here's the here's the here's the interesting caveat. The Titans' defense in the last five games are top three are are ranked in the top three as far as points allowed per game, average rushing yards allowed, and touchdown to interception ratio. Okay, in the last five games, the Titans have averaged about 12, 12.8, nearly thirteen points per game. That that's which is second best in the National Football League. They're also second best in the NFL as rushing yards, which is in average rushing yards allowed yards essentially per rushing attempt at three point two. That's the second best in the sport, and they have the third best touchdown passes to interception ratio in the sport, four to seven. Uh, which is also which is uh, third best in National Football League as well. That's Tennessee Titans uh, in the last five games. Now, now, may, now they made now all things being equal and all things being fair, they made life very interesting and made made it a, a little unnecessary. Made the game unnecessarily interesting against Houston in the last meaningful game that they played back in Week 18, when they had a tremendous double-digit lead and they allowed uh, and they allowed. Um, Houston to score some unanswered, uh, you know, a touchdown here, touchdown there, field goal, you know. So they allowed ten. Uh, I keep on saying Tennessee allowed Houston to get back into the game to make things a little interesting until Tennessee finally pulled away. But you know, if from a Bengals fan perspective or anyone that's uh, that doesn't want or is rooting against Tennessee in this game, you know, they they've had to make life a little. Little more intri- a little bit more stressful on themselves than necessary. They let uh, they let Houston creep back in the game in the second half. Uh, they've lost games this season. They've lost games this season to Houston. They lost the game to the Jets on the road. They got ambushed at home by uh, by the Arizona Cardinals, and you see how far they got this season. So you know, it, so th- it's a matter of what Tennessee tight. They lost to the Steelers on the road this season, where they did nothing but turn over the football at infinitum. Tannehill stunk left and right. Uh, so, so it's a matter of what Tennessee Titan team is going to show up. That's, that's all, that's all this comes down to what Tennessee Titan team is going to show up and how healthy is Derrick Henry going to be and how productive is he going to be and how big of a workload is he going to have and is going to have to manage throughout the sequence of the football game. He's a, he's practiced all week, given the go. All you know is going to start. It's going to be raring to go for the game Saturday afternoon. But it's a matter of uh, it's a matter of because Tennessee has to win the game. Obviously, it's a playoff game. Want to go home? But is Tennessee essentially going to play it from a perspective of we're going to play Derrick Henry because need to win the game, want to go home? We're, we're you know we're playing in the playoffs, but we're not going to run them thin 
and essentially go crazy with him his first game back since Halloween. That's how long it's been. Since October 31st was the last time we saw Derrick Henry on the field. We're not going to go crazy and, you know, make him carry the ball 25, 30 times in a game because, say, for the sake of conversation, all right, we win, we beat Cincinnati. He'll be dog-tired going up against either Buffalo or Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. And if we're fortunate to make it out of that we're going to need him if we're ever so fortunate to get to a Super Bowl. So it's going to be a very interesting dynamic to keep an eye on of uh, of how Vrabel and the uh, Titans offensive coaching staff is going to be able to manage Derrick Henry's workload, knowing when knowing when to run him, when to when to hold him back, when to keep him out there on the field, make sure he gets his reps and gets as many snaps and plays as many downs as possible, when to, when to hold him back, when to have him on like a quote-unquote pitch count and keep him on the sidelines it's going to be interesting and then of course dealing with the ebb and flow of the game you know who score who scores first uh, tennessee or the bengals is, is this going to be a game where where Tannehill is going to have to throw the football left and right and hit up aj brown like he did in the 49er game back in december and, and, and you know where it's a where it's a shootout where the court where the better quarterback essentially and a better wide receiver performance decides who's going to win the game, or is it going to be one of your old-fashioned, uh, old-fashioned type of playoff games? Going to be that's going to be one in the trenches of you know what offensive line is going to outpower and outduel the other offensive line and overmatch the op- the opposing defensive line going out there uh, in between the white stripes, and what running back is going to have a better performance is going to impose as well on the opposing defense in a more uh, you know in a more more uh, powerful way, Derrick Henry for Tennessee or Joe Burrow for Cincinnati. So you take all of that into the account and how and and just how the game, how the flow and how the game goes. That is what you're going to have to pay attention to. How the flow of the game, how the game goes. Is it going to be a defensive slugfest where the first to crack twenty wins the game, or is it going to be a shootout where the first one to uh, to reach the thirty five to reach the 35-point threshold is going to be the one that punches their ticket to the AFC Championship game. So it's a very intriguing matchup on paper. I think underrated. I think it's very underrated as far as the best matchups of uh, of this divisional of this divisional round weekend. I think it's going to be a fantastic, tremendous football game. I'm looking forward to it, obviously because I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. First divisional playoff game I've ever seen this team play. This team historically is 0-7 on the road in playoff games, which I did not realize until earlier this week. So looking to, to end that quote-unquote curse and end that quote-unquote, you know, and uh, end that curse and get rid of that uh, that uh, monkey on their back per se. You know, Joe Burrow's probably heard about it. It's like, oh, it's another thing that I gotta break another. Uh, streak of of Cincinnati Bengal futility that I that we gotta go out there and and eradicate you know and, and send a message that these are the new you know these aren't your fathers these aren't your grandfathers Cincinnati Bengals were a new team new franchise new quarterback new coach new uh, new culture new everything the only thing new uniforms even you know so. Be interesting to see how Burrow and the boys respond. I did not like the fact that the Bengals, and I mentioned this early in the week, how the Bengals did not capitalize on putting the ball in the end zone when they had, when they had many, many, many opportunities to. 
you know, to put the game away and put the game out of reach against Vegas last week. They got to be more uh, efficient in the red zone as far as putting the football in the end zone when the opportunities present themselves. I would have liked to see them run the ball better and run the ball more with Mixon, uh, with Mixon in the Raider game. Hopefully, you know, depending on how, again, depends on how the game goes, but I would like to see these guys, you know, send a message to Tennessee earlier. Hey, you know, when don't get it twisted. You know, we may be the, we may be the flashy team that knows how to score off the big play and, and and the and our vertical passing game is dangerous with Burrow to Chase and Burrow to Boyd and Burrow to Higgins. Don't get it twisted. When 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 forced to when forced to and when it's necessary, we can win games in the trenches and we can win games the old fashioned way of ground of good old ground and pound running game football with the best of them. All right, so so don't sit up here and 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 fall for the misconception, Tennessee, that you guys the only team in the AFC that can you know that that can that can that knows how to master and has mastered the ground and pound offensive strategy and don't have to essentially put up flashy, gaudy, uh, highlight real type numbers and and and, uh, and and produce the highlight real type of plays in order to score points and put the ball in the end zone. Don't don't get it twisted because Cincinnati they can beat you they can beat you with bro throwing the football making plays with his arm and they can also beat you with Joe Mixon and I'd like to see at least to begin the game begin the game especially if Cincinnati does not get opening possession I'd like to see Cincinnati go out there and send a message and say hey we are going to try to we are we are going to run the not necessarily. To have it be the Joe Mixon game where it's Derrick Henry comes back, all eyes are Derrick Henry, and Joe Mixon steals the show. No, more of a, more of a message of we ain't scared of you. We are here to impose our will on you, and we are. It's a street fight. It's a street fight playoff game. When it goes to the AFC Championship, we ain't here to mess around. More more of a symbolic. It's more symbolic, and more of a psychological piece. Of me wanting to see them run the football early and often, at least when, at least when it's appropriate and when it's necessary for them to, more than it is about a, uh, more than it is X's and O's, uh, you know, game plan, football-y, Excuse my, excuse my uh, infantile vocabulary there, but more of a uh, psychology mindset chess game type of word, more of that. As far as I want Cincinnati running the football, then the from then from an X's and O's game plan sort of uh, sort of standpoint, and then from Tennessee again, you know how healthy is Derrick Henry? How much are they going to rely on him to run the football there for him? And uh, how much how much are they are they going to rely for him to run the football game for him? And also, you know, Tannehill. Chips in the middle of the table, and it's that, you know, that shootout, like I mentioned, first to 30, 35 points wins the game. Is is Tannehill going to make plays and is going to be able to match Burrow play for play, pass for pass uh, when the chips are down and when the game is tight inside, you know, five, six, three, two, one minute left in the game? With the with every with uh, with the two team seasons essentially hanging in the balance. Be interesting to see that as well from a uh, from a uh, from a Tennessee Titan perspective. 
Um, and, you know, will, ta- will Taylor learn from his mistakes that he made during that final drive where he took the ball out of Burrow's hands in our final offensive drive uh, of the game against Vegas? But I am very, very looking forward to this game. Uh, Henry's back, and the Bengals have an opportunity to advance to their first AFC championship game since 1988. Should be an intriguing matchup. Also got a couple of numbers there for me to throw out here for you. Joe Burrow leads the NFL since week 14 in passer rating. If if that uh, stat suits your fancy, of 130.2. Uh, passing yards per game, 334 passing yards per game. He's averaging uh, nearly 10 yards a pass, 10 yards per pass attempt at 9.8, six 50-yard completions, uh, and Joe Burrow has just been on fire since uh, since mid-December. And another thing that also concerns me uh, from a Cincinnati Bengal perspective, it, it concerns me. I mean, from a scale of one to ten, it's about like a three and a half, four. Uh, as as I give you this stat right here, the Titans are the only team in the NFL who have three players with eight-plus sacks this season. Harold Landry, Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, and the Bengals, of course, who have allowed the third-most sacks in the National Football League is also something uh, to keep an eye on as well. The Bengals' offensive line didn't. Burrow only got sacked twice. Only got sacked twice now. Where they now they were in moments that made me a little nervous and kept me on edge. They were more ill-timed sacks more than Burrow being sacked two times too many. But uh, the Bengals' offensive line did a did a very good job against uh, against Vegas last week and made you think. You know if they can handle Max Crosby, who was who I would imagine uh, was giving Bengals fans nightmares all week leading up to that game last Saturday. If they could handle Max Crosby, and I think he only got the Joe Burrow once uh, throughout the sequence of the game last Saturday. If they can hold Max Crosby in check for the majority of the game, they they shouldn't have too much of an issue against Tennessee or anybody else that they play the rest of their postseason run, but still something to pay attention to that Tennessee Titans pass rush coming up Saturday afternoon. Game number two on Saturday night between the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers should be an absolute doozy, all things being considered. Um, the 49ers, and here's an interesting stat to keep an eye on heading into the game Saturday night, that the 49ers have had seven straight games of three sacks or more by their by their defense. That's the longest streak by a team this 2021 NFL season. And the 49ers defensive front. I mean, you want to talk about a, a guy, a bunch of guys that are big, fast, athletic, powerful, and know how to get after the quarterback. I mean, and especially their defensive tackles. I mean, they got guys that is that I know not without even having to look it up is flirting around you know three hundred pounds or so, and they have the the athleticism and the uh, and the elusiveness of Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk on their offense with their wide receivers. I mean, their offense. I mean, their defensive linemen are fast. They are quick. They are athletic, and they get after the quarterback with one of, with uh, with just about as good as anybody in the National Football League. I mean, the way they got after Dak Prescott on Saturday on, on Sunday afternoon, and we discussed this in episode earlier in the week, was just just was phenomenal. It looks like they're going to have Nick Bosa coming out of the concussion protocol, 
And honestly, the more hands they have on deck against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, the better. He is winless against the 49ers historically. Uh, he lost two playoff games, one at Candlestick, one at Lambeau to, to uh, Rodgers, has to Kaepernick. He also lost the, he's also lost, um, he, and he's also lost the playoff game. Of course, who can forget the NFC Championship game back in 2019 where he, where he and his Packer offense didn't show up and got absolutely destroyed and got, and were just ran up and down the field by Elijah Mitchell and company where he ran over 200 yards in the NFC Championship game two seasons ago. So Aaron Rodgers trying to get the monkey off his back against the San Francisco 49er franchise in playoff play where he has yet uh, to beat them uh, in his uh, Hall of Fame career with the Green Bay Packers. That, uh, that Green Bay Packer offensive line has the work cut out for him. Again, that 49er defensive front gets after the quarterback as, as well as anybody in the NFL. Again, seven straight games with three or more sacks. That's the longest streak in the NFL this season. And you also got to factor in, you know, with the 49ers, was Jimmy Garoppolo, is he going to make, is he going to make that vital or those two vital, deathly fatal mistakes that could cost for that could cost San Francisco their season. You know, he plays pretty well. He's injured, you know, he's injured his shoulder during the game against Dallas last week. Played the game with the bad uh, with a bad finger, played excellent uh against the, the uh, Rams the week before the the week before the Cowboy game. Well, those in, were the injury well English Jai. Well, the injuries can, that are continuing slowly but surely to mount up on Jimmy G. Will those injuries hold him back? Will those injuries more be make him more susceptible to uh, to making the Aaron throw? You know, when Jimmy G, Jim, when Jimmy G misses throws, he doesn't miss them low. He doesn't uh, he doesn't underthrow his receivers. He he the ball sails high on him. He has a, and he has a high tendency to overthrow his receivers. If you've uh, seen Jimmy G play throughout the last couple of seasons, you know you've picked up you've picked up on that as that's a part of his game. He doesn't underthrow his receivers; he misses them high and he overthrows them. Hence the hence the interception, which kind of gave Dallas a little life with the short field that they ended up putting the ball in the end zone off of last Sunday. But you know, will Jimmy G limit the mistakes, and will Kyle Shanahan put Jimmy G in a situation where? Where they rely on the running game and a short passing game with Ayuk, Samuel, and the crew, and and when in doubt, you know, find where George Kittle is and give him the football, and essentially, and will Shanahan make uh, or put, I should say, Jimmy Garoppolo in in uh, in a position where he can't lose the game, you know, to to take it take take the ball essentially out of his hands as much as possible where he's a quote-unquote de facto game manager and he doesn't have to uh, and he doesn't have to be in a position where he could lose San Francisco the game and cause excuse me cost and end their season keep an eye out on that as well and also you know keep an eye out from a Green Bay Packers standpoint you know I think with this game the Packers are playing with house money I think you know, I understand it's when to go home. It's a playoff game, and Rodgers has to get the the monkey, the two monkeys on his back for Rodgers uh, heading into this postseason run. And as we enter the back end of the month of January, it's winning the NFC Championship again and getting to that second Super Bowl and getting to that second Super Bowl and winning it. 
Those are the two big uh-ohs with Aaron Rodgers that he has to answer. That's winning the NFC champ, whether he whether now he has the number one seed, so there's no way in the world that this NFC championship game, unlike the one against Seattle and against Atlanta and against San Francisco where it's on the road, but if they win Sunday, back-to-back NFC championship games in this building, there's no, I don't care if you're playing the Rams or if you're playing Tampa. There's no excuse, again, there's no excuse this time. NFC Championship game, if you win Sunday in your building, you got to get it done. That's where the pressure lies with Rodgers. But where the little pressure rides within Rodgers this week is making sure that he can get over the hump and beat San Francisco in a playoff game for once in his life. Something that for whatever the reason, whether it's Kaepernick and Harbaugh with San Francisco or Shanahan and Garoppolo, he hasn't been able to get over that hump. For whatever you know, for whatever the reason, he he just he hasn't, and that's something again. Now that's probably going to be his little his little checklist when he gets up in the morning. Okay, beat San Francisco in the playoffs, win an NFC Championship game again, beat Brady, you know, win the Super Bowl. So it's probably like on his checklist. But Rodgers is in the back of his mind. Hey. Now, it ain't like that. It ain't like, you know, if you lose this game, you move on the next week. You know, you still can't beat San Francisco in the playoffs, but it's on the next week. No, you lose Sunday. It's it. Season's over. All the machinations and the turmoil and the controversy with the with the whole cult, with the COVID, not with the COVID nonsense back in early November, and then you mysteriously injuring your foot, injuring your toe while you were out, while you were at home quarantining, and that whole controversy, all like the, the the controversies and all the stuff that's that's clouded Aaron Rodgers essentially since this past uh, since this past April back in 2021, where Schefter leaked it that he was unsatisfied, that he wasn't happy. That he wanted out, that he wanted blood with uh, with Gunakist and the Green Bay Packers front office and everything else. All of that that's 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 happened since uh, since essentially night one of the NFL draft back in the springtime. All of that's that's occurred in him and him uh, getting hell from uh, from NFL prop from those college prospects as parents of stealing the spotlight from what's supposed to be those young men's night and the spotlight was stolen just before the draft, all eyes on Aaron Rodgers and all of so all of the, the noise essentially that he has created since this since last April, this past April of twenty twenty one it it all means nothing if he doesn't win the NFC Championship game, go to the Super Bowl, and win a, and win a, and win himself a second Super Bowl uh, second Super Bowl title. Means nothing if he if come February thirteenth he isn't he isn't hoisting the Vince Lombardi Trophy at SoFi at SoFi Stadium with green and yellow confetti raining on him. If that is not how he his and the Green Bay Packers uh, season ends. He he's going to have to answer a lot of questions and a lot of people, you know, the ones that are kind of on the fence with Aaron Rodgers want would would, would want nothing to do with him because it creates all the noise throughout the entire off season and all throughout during the season. 
And for him to, you know, come up short in the playoffs yet again, no people would be at their wits end with Aaron Rodgers, and justfully and rightfully so. But one of the hurdles that he has to get to get back on the to get back on the beaten path is taking care of San Francisco. You know, their defense was their defense made the stops when they need when they needed to make stops, especially in the second half, and they you know controlled the Dallas Cowboy offense on Sunday, especially in the first half. But you can throw on them. You could, if you learned anything from the forty, from the Rams in the first half of their game in Week 18, or the Titan game a couple weeks before that, and you go as far back as my Bengals in the second half and then the fourth quarter when they played them back in early December, is that you can throw on the San Francisco 49ers when the opportunity presents itself. You can throw on them and you can score points on them. The point is, is just don't give them no momentum or make the uh, the the costly fatal mistake. To, to allow them to either A, get themselves back in the game, or B, put the game out of reach where they just control it from here on out, run the football down your throat, and, and, there's, nothing you, and there's nothing that you can do about it. That's game number two. Game number three is the Rams and the Buccaneers, and the fact that the Rams, you know, Stafford, through, he's, now, with this game, he's going to have to throw the ball unless something un, something unforeseen happens throughout the sequence of the game. He's going to have to throw the ball more than 17 times in order for him to beat uh, TB12, the GOAT, and the defending champions come Sunday afternoon. He's going to have to do more than throw the ball, you know, 13, 13 to 17 times in order for him to win the game. But he has to essentially kind of play the, the similar way he did on Monday night, and that's not and that's not let the moment get too big for him. Just play within your means. Let the game come to you, and don't. And it's, it's simple. It's a big thing, but it's a simple task. Don't throw the football to the other team. Take can take control. Not take control. Take care of the football. He takes care of the football. And when he gets sacked, he keeps the ball off the ground. When he throws the ball, he keeps it away from the uh, from the Buccaneers secondary. Let Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. do his thing, mix in a little Cam Makers in the running game here and there. Let that defensive front uh, rattle Brady early and often. And the Rams have played well against against Tampa the last two times that they that the last two times that they've played them. They've played well. They've played well against They've played well against Tampa. Um, but uh, and historically, the Rams are perfect against the Buccaneers in postseason play. Historically, but that's not a hand nor there. Stafford takes care of the football. The Rams, on a defensive standpoint, bring the pressure with Tom Brady. You got, you got, you gotta not because he's the goat. You, you, it's hard to say if you can rattle Tom Brady, but you can frustrate him. And the number one way you can frustrate him is interior pass rush. Get your Vita Vea, all of them. Uh, all of your defense, v- Vea, JPP, all of your defensive, uh, your defensive pass rushers, especially the ones, the ones that rush internally, your tackles and your and your defensive schemes, where you have your guys, you know, rushing throughout your rushing inside on your, in, you know, with your respective, uh, your respective gaps. You got you got to take advantage of that. You ain't got to rattle Brady. Ain't not well, not rattle him, but you got to frustrate him. You frustrate Brady. Get him yelling and yelling, kicking, and screaming at his uh, at his offensive lineman. Have essentially do what the Saints did against him. Every single time he drops back the pass, you make sure that you're on him like white on rice. And ha- you know you get Brady screaming and yelling at his offensive lineman. 
you know, w- w- with a with a with a stern growl on his face, sitting on the sideline, and him, you know, beating the crap out of Microsoft service tablets. You're doing you're doing something right. You're doing something successful. You know, Aaron Donald. All I hear about is you know he's the second coming, the Deacon Jones, and he's. The, one of the greatest defensive players the game has ever seen since the likes of Lawrence Taylor. Well, here's the time you need to do it. All right, all right, Aaron. You, you, you. When the plays are there for you to be made against Brady in Super Bowl Fifty Three, I understand you only held him to the thirteen points, but but you know there were opportunities where you could have uh, where you could have impact in forced your will onto the game. Enforced your will onto the game and on, and onto Brady specifically, and you failed to do so. Here's your chance for you to get your revenge, and here's your and here's your uh, and here's your second chance. Your second chance. If I don't see Aaron Donald making Brady's Brady's life a living hell Sunday afternoon, somebody's somebody. I need an explanation, and and some and some and somebody, uh, you know, should uh, his feet should be held to the fire. There's no with Worfs being injured. All, Tampa's offensive line is beat up and banged up heading into this game. There's no excuses why, why the Rams and their defensive front, and more specifically Aaron Donald. I'm talking to you. No reason why Jensen and Worfs both questionable heading into the heading into this game. They got no Ronald Jones heading into this game. He is ruled out. Sean Murphy bunting the corner. He is questionable. No 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 excuses for the Rams. None. Matthew Stafford, you want to prove to me that you're worth two first-round picks trading for and you're better than Jared Goff and you weren't surrounded with the right talent and you were you were uh, a part of a bad organization. It was the Lions' fault, not yours, all those years in Detroit. Go out there and beat the GOAT on the road. Plenty of teams have done it. Joe Flacco's done it. Mark Sanchez has done it. Brian Tannehill has done it. Many uh, um Many many quarterbacks. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to go down the list here of uh, QBs that have beaten Brady uh, on the road in the po- in the postseason. Um, and if there isn't any, you know, Flacco, Flacco, Sanchez, and uh, Ryan Tannehill is a is a list long enough where where it's put up a shut up time in and of itself for Matthew Stafford. If Flacco, Sanchez and Tannehill can go on the road and beat and beat Brady in the playoffs, I understand it's with the Patriots it's a different team, but still Brady is Brady postseason is postseason and a road playoff underdog against Brady is a road playoff underdog against Brady, get the job done. Tannehill keep the ball off the ground when you get sacked. Don't throw the ball to the wrong team. Okay? Find Cooper Cup Find Odell Beckham Jr., let them do the work, and push, come to shove, hand the ball off to Cam Akers every now and again. Balanced offense offensively from a defensive perspective. Uh, No excuses why Aaron Donald can't get after and shouldn't get after Brady in this game. No excuses. Put Brady, keep Brady on his back and on his butt as long and as often as you possibly can. Force him to make those Aaron throws. Force him to get frustrated. Force him to get flustered. When you do that, you win. You win playoff games against Brady. Ask the 07 Giants and ask the Saints when they kept the uh, Bucks out of the end zone back in December when Brady beat the living life out of that Microsoft service tablet in that in that uh, in that viral video back back last month. But you know, I it sh- should be a decent football game. 
But, you know, if Stafford goes out there, turns over the football a ton, throws a pick six that costs... Uh, that cost the Rams either excellent field position or, or gives momentum right right to Tampa, and they lose this game, you know, 31-13 or 31-10. I don't want to hear not another word about Matthew Stafford. Not a word. Put up a shut-up time for Matthew. Enough's enough. Okay, you you play nice against the Cardinals, but let me, let me, let me see you take down the GOAT to give me the shut-up and really to prove to your, uh, your, your doubters and your haters and your... Uh, and your uh, and your and the prognosticators that were wrong. Go out there and beat Brady. No excuses. And then the final game of division around weekend could end up being the best one, and arguably might in in a lot of people's eyes is the best one on paper between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Buffalo, of course, put on that tremendous offensive clinic. Josh Allen can do no wrong. Was had more had again had had only four incompletions to his five touchdown passes against New England last week. They ran the ball fairly decently well against New against that injured uh, New England defense uh, last week. Uh, and then, of course, from a Kansas City Chief perspective, again I said it last week. I'll say it again. You know, you can afford to fall asleep at the wheel. You know, in the first quarter against the Houston Texans with Bill O'Brien, who's a hack. Or last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are lucky as hell to be there, you can fall asleep in the first quarter against against those inferior opponents, you know. And even with and even with the Titans to a certain degree, you can kind of get away with it. Buffalo Bills, you fall asleep in the first, and they and they, and they, and they kind of bailed themselves out when they played Buffalo in the championship game last week because remember McCole Hardman had that muffed punt that ended up resulting in a Buffalo Bill touchdown. I don't think if if uh, if the if Hardman or whoever's returning punts or kicks for Kansas City on Sunday, if they if they muff a punt or they turn over the football, you know Mahomes with the first with the first quarter interception uh, like he had against Pittsburgh last week, or or Andy Reid and uh, Bianami get too cute with the Wildcat formation foolishness, and they and they essentially drop a ball and and, and provide Buffalo a, a free a free. Uh, a free defensive touchdown, a free possession, a free short field, you, you ain't going to be able to get away with it the way you did against Pittsburgh last week because this Buffalo Bills team is different. They're hungry. They're ready to play. They want, they're sick of Kansas City. They, wanna, they beat them once in the regular season back in October on that Sunday night. I guarantee you they're chomping at the bit to go into Kansas City and beat them again, beat them, beat them what, uh, twice within the last, uh, within the last few months. I know that they are just eager to get back to the AFC Championship game again. I I know it. I know they are they are just they their 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 mouth is watering to get one more crack at Kansas City to end their season, beat them on their home field at Arrowhead again, and advance to their second straight AFC Championship game, and in turn ending the uh, Kansas City Chiefs streak of making it the three straight AFC championship games as they have not been in it since 2000 and uh, since the 2017 season when they when they uh, lost to Tennessee and the, when they lost to the Tennessee Titans I, uh, in the opening round of that po- of that uh, of that postseason run in the final year of uh, Alex Smith. But uh, and uh, ending their streak when they made today the AFC Championship game in 2018, 19, and in 2020, and the Bills in turn started a streak of their own, making it back to back.
But if from a Buffalo Bills perspective, Josh Allen, let the game come to you, like Matthew Stafford, don't play hero ball, don't say, don't let the fact that you're the best that you're the best player on the field when you know when your offense is on the field. Don't let it go to your head. Don't panic. Don't be like, well, I gotta be the guy that's, that's gotta make the plays and gotta single-handedly bring us to uh, bring us to the AFC Championship game and send us to Tennessee. No, no. Relax. Let the game come to you. Don't rush it. Don't force the issue. Don't force the ball down the field. Don't force the ball into double and triple coverage when it isn't necessary. And just play your game the way you did against New England last week. You know, have a ba- have a more of a balanced rushing attack like you did against uh, against New England last week. And then from a defensive perspective, force Mahomes force Mah- force Mahomes in the pocket because Mahomes loves to roll out of the pocket and show off how great and how athletic he is. Roll out of the pocket and chuck the ball fifty yards downfield to a wide open Travis Kelsey or McCole Hardman or. Or uh, or Tyreek, that that's what the Chiefs want you to do. You keep them within the pocket. You keep them contained to within that pocket. You take away the deep threat over the top, and you force him to make throws via the medium passing game. You keep every you keep everything in front of it. You keep Mahomes confined in that pocket. You take away the deep passing game over the top, and you make him throw the little dink and dunks. Over the middle of the field in a sh- in a short to mid range passing game, good things are going to happen, and eventually Mahomes is going to get nervous. He's going to get antsy. He's going to get impatient as the game moves along, and he's going to chuck a ball, you know, downfield when he has no business throwing it, and he sees, you know, uh, Robinson or, or or Hill or Kelsey downfield, and they're double or triple covered, and the ball has no business going to him, and the ball will find Hyde. For an interception, and uh, and in turn you get yourself a short field, you get the momentum, and then you blink, and it'll be a repeat of how you played Kansas City back in uh, back in uh, mid, back in mid late October. So keep Mahomes confined in that pocket, take away the deep passing game, watch Kelsey, watch Hill, make make Mahomes make plays throwing the ball, you know, f- five, eight, ten yards in front of him. And eventually, especially if you're playing with the lead, which also helps as well, you need to keep the game tight or you play with the lead. Eventually, especially in the fourth quarter, he's going to, he's going to get impatient. He's going to get anxious. And, he's going, and something within him is going to, is that, that, that little itch inside of him is going, to, is, going to, is going to kick up. And that little voice in his head is going to say, hey, it's a playoff game. We're losing. We need you to make plays. You're the type of, you know, and his, his ego is going to start, you know, his his, his skill set's going to go to his head, and he's going to start making mistakes and making bad Aaron throws downfield that uh, could end up costing Kansas City in the end. Four excellent games for the divisional round. A lot of people say it's the best weekend, one of the best weekends in all the sports. Is people also most definitely saying I 100% agree with this, as 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 divisional or they say that divisional round weekend is one of the best weekends in the NFL season. Should be a doozy. Four games, two in each conferences. Uh, I think I think that uh, you could see um, you could see. And the 49ers only a wild card team that are left standing. Everybody else have won their division. I think you will see 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say at minimum two road teams win, on, win this weekend. Two road teams. Two. Two road teams win this weekend. Who those two road teams might be, you'll find out in the pick segment, in the picks segment, excuse me, coming up to close out the program, the Amatel I Can Tell You podcast. Welcome back to the Amatel I Can Tell You podcast. You know what time it is. Divisional round weekend of the National Football League, the 20th week of the 2021 NFL season as a whole. Four games. Get shorter and sh- shorter and shorter. You had, uh, I don't know how many games you had, you know, week 18, but you go from as many as you had week 18 down to only six in wildcard weekend, four divisional round, two conference championship, one in the Super Bowl. The Elite Eight of the National Football League in the league where they play the pay. Game number one. Why does the NFL do NFL must love putting the Bengals first. I mean, get get, get the Bengals. Make sure the Bengals don't have to wait, watch another game, and take their minds off it. And now we got to give the Bengals their first playoff game of the weekend. I'll take it. Divisional playoff game between my guys and the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans, your number one seed, best record in the AFC via tiebreaker. 12-5 and five, AFC South champions. Favorite minus three and a half. Derrick Henry's back, which means uh, heart attacks and heart and uh, high blood pressure and high anxiety for yours truly. I think that this game is going to come down to whoever scores 28 will win the game. This will be an old-fashioned, gritty, gutty, grind them out NFL playoff game. First to 28 wins the game. I picked them last week. Didn't want to, but I did. They're my guys. I can't pick against them. It's playoff time. Give me my Cincinnati Bengals. Titans favorite minus three and a half, by the way. Give me my Cincinnati Bengals to advance to the AFC championship game by the final score of 28 to 24. That's game number one. Game number two. Between the San Francisco 49ers advancing from their win against the Dallas Cowboys last week. They're going up against the number one seed in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers, 13-4. NFC North champions yet again. Their favorite, minus five and a half. And Aaron Rodgers is a bad man. MVP favorite for the NFL. It's going to be a very intriguing game. I think this has... I think out of all the four games, if you were to ask me which game has the potential to be the least competitive, I would take a guess and say say this one because of the fact that Green Green Bay beat San Francisco earlier in the regular season back in October via a... uh, uh, a, It was either October, September, whatever, whatever month it was. Via a uh, Mason Crosby game-winning field goal on Sunday night, um, but I just think the Green Packers are a better team. They're a better team with a better quarterback, and I think that this is their time. When I understand it was two years ago, it's the it's the Packers' time. Their favorite minus five and a half. 
Give me the Green Bay Packers to win this game by the final score of 27 to 17. And the LA Rams taking on Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rams won last time out, wild card Monday night against the uh, Arizona Cardinals to knock them out. Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, are uh, NFC South champions. They took care of business against the Philadelphia Eagles in a snooze fest last Sunday afternoon. Favorite minus two and a half. Worths and Jensen, their offensive linemen are questionable, but I think the GOAT still gets it done. Uh, uh, albeit he is 0-2 against the Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He gets his first win against the Rams as a Buck by the final score of 24-21. And the Buffalo Bills, who took care of business last uh, Saturday night and an absolute blowout against division rival New England Patriots, they are... Your AFC East champions taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, who, quite frankly, could have and should have scored 50 points against the Pittsburgh Steelers last Sunday night. They are the AFC West champions. Buffalo trying to make it to back-to-back AFC championship games. Kansas City's trying to make it to a fourth straight AFC championship game. They're favored by two points. Give me the Buffalo Bills to go to -to back-to-back AFC Championship games and the Kansas City uh, Chiefs streak and to make it the first AFC Championship game since 2010 where you did not have Mahomes, Manning, or Brady in the game. 2010 AFC Championship game Jets Steelers. I think the Bills will end the Mahomes Brady uh, Manning streak, and we will have the Buffalo Bills hosting my Cincinnati Bengals up at Orchard Park for the AFC Championship game come the final Sunday of the month of January in the NFC. I believe you will have the Green Bay Packers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a repeat of last year's NFC Championship game uh, come uh, Sunday night a week from this upcoming Sunday later on this weekend. And keep in mind, if you think I'm nuts and if you think I'm crazy, in case you forgot, yours truly went six. And, uh, now, I'm not going with the, with, the, with the spread and who covered, who didn't. I'm talking about straight up pick them, you know, pick them, you know, who who do you think is going to win, who do you think is going to Straight up pick them. If you went by simply by the teams I picked to win, I went a perfect 6-0. and oh. I said the I called Bengals going to beat the Raiders. Bills going to beat the Patriots. Bucks were going to beat the Eagles, albeit I had the Bucks and Eagles game and the and the Chiefs Steelers game read wrong. I thought those games were going to be more competitive than I initially thought, especially Steelers and the Chiefs. But I had the Chiefs winning. I had every home team winning except the Cowboys, in which I picked the 49ers, won a perfect six and zero wild card weekend. Let's see if I can make it a a perfect 4-0 or go 3-1 with my Bengals pick being the correct one. 
and also three out of your four uh, matchups in the divisional playoff weekend are rematches from earlier this season. Buffalo and Kansas City, of course, played each other back in October. Buffalo won the first matchup. That game took place in Kansas City. Uh, the Rams and Tampa, that game took place, I believe, back in late September. Uh, back in late September, the Rams won that game. That game, though, took place at SoFi. This game, of course, is taking place down at uh, Raymond James. Uh, that game between Tampa and the Rams uh, was in week three. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Green Bay, San Francisco, that game took place. Unlike this game's taking place in Lambeau, their first meeting earlier this season took place uh, at Levi's at Levi Stadium back in week three, as well as a matter of fact, on September the uh, on September the 26th. The only outlier of the, the only matchup between two teams this weekend in which they did not play in the regular season uh, is Tennessee versus Cincinnati. But there you have it, your four games divisional round weekend. Hopefully I make it a uh, perfect 10-0 and in the playoffs thus far, make it a 4-0 this weekend, or 3-1 and or 2-2, two and two, or even 1-3. and three. Just as long as I get that Bengal pick right, that's all I care about. But anyway, that is another episode of the Amatella Katia's podcast in the books. If you like what you're heard and you're new to the program, please do not hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatella underscore it TIS and the show on Instagram at Amatella underscore podcast. It's your boy Jai Shield. Stay safe, stay warm if you're in the mid-Atlantic northeast area of the United States. Enjoy the division. Divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Talk to you on Monday. Take care.